Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us. Thanks for spending part of your day with us at Super Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon, March 24th. The stock market right now is a roller coaster, right? I mean, up and down and up and down. If you look kind of going back to the middle of May, it's been... I don't know, going back to May 10th and days that the market has been open, up, down, down, up big, down bigger, up, down, up, a little, down, down, up. That's over the last ABBA 11 days. Start. Yes, that's exactly right. It's like a contra cheat code. <laughs> uh, but today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 2,093 points, a little bit more than 11%, biggest one-day percentage gain in the stock market since 1933. The S&P 500 had its best day since October of 2008. Uh, The NASDAQ uh, matches a monster day that it had uh, earlier in the month of March. So I guess good news, or at least in terms of the market that's out there, uh, confidence that a stimulus bill is about to uh, to be enacted. So after all the infighting yesterday, and Borky, we were tough on them yesterday. Deservedly, deservedly so. Deservedly so. <laughs> Jinx. It's just absurd. I, and the stuff that was, at, this isn't a political show, never mind, but my goodness. <laughs> we're glad to be with you. Anyway, I just thought I'd, uh, if, if you've not followed the markets today, if you've kind of unplugged from that, good news. I mean, that doesn't mean that your 401k or your retirement or your investments are all back to where they were uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, today was a trend in the right direction after the market has uh, gone from an all-time high to uh, its lowest since, oh, I don't know, a long time. It was, what, down below 18,000 yesterday. But uh, rallies nicely. For, uh, for whatever that's worth. And then if you're somebody like me who's got a little bitty retirement account and very little investment, it's like, I wasn't really feeling it that much when it was down, and I'm not really feeling it that much for all those, though, that do have significant retirement savings and investments and whatnot. I'm happy for you, happy for the uh, the rebound today. Folks like you, hey, Dad, who are independently wealthy and are just doing this for fun and obviously keep a close eye on your portfolio. I appreciate that. I appreciate that you you understand how much I'm worth. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, just uh, if we don't uh, if we don't believe you, just ask you. You'll tell us, right? Something like that. Sure. Thanks for being with us. On behalf of all of us at Super Talk, we would like to encourage you, and I know many of you are doing this on your own already, to buy local. Small local businesses are going through difficult times right now. 
And there are a few things that each of us can do to support our favorite local businesses during these unsettling times. Buy gift cards. Local businesses get their cash today, and you'll be able to use it later when life returns to normal. You can order takeout or curbside pickup from your local favorite restaurants and uh, remind your friends when you talk to them at a safe social distance or via text or on the phone that the most helpful thing you can do right now for the local economy is to buy local a little compassion right now can go a long way. Ceasefire text line is open. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. If you've not done it yet, do yourself a favor and read the story that uh, at ESPN.com is out today by Chris Lowe and Mark Schlabaugh. Those two guys worked together to put together a, uh, a pretty cool story about Ole Miss and Mississippi State football. And the football conversation, by and large, has gone to the back burner in the last couple of weeks. You know, we've tried to talk some about it, not a ton about college football, if we're being honest. Um, We have all lived through the last three months or four months of college football craziness in the state of Mississippi. And so you say, well, why would I want to read what happened all over again? It's incredible when you read in black and white, whether you print it out or you read it on your computer screen, you kind of go back and you read a synopsis of Thanksgiving night egg bowl through where we are today and all of the dominoes that fell. Again, you know, Rippy, we've talked about all of this ad nauseum, but when you put all of it together in one place, it's been a pretty remarkable journey. Yeah, it has, and I haven't gotten all the way through that piece, but most of the way through, and it's just kind of rehashing from a you know a, a fresh angle, just how all of this unfolded and everything that from the dog pee to everything else, and what happened after that. It's a pretty I mean, pretty wild couple of months. Can we not? With it's urination simulation. I mean, I'm trying to brand this here. Help me out, Rippy. Yeah. Well, you, you you've been stuck on that phrase uh, a lot, but. Part of the story is pointing to that specific incident as being the turning point. Now, the the one thing, hey, Dad, that I would say, we don't know how that football game would have turned out, right? We, we just kind of right. all assume, or I, I say we, a lot of people have assumed that after Ole Miss scored that touchdown, if they had kicked the extra point to tie it, momentum was going to kind of be squarely on the side of Ole Miss. It was going to go to overtime. And people have just kind of assumed that Ole Miss was going to win the football game. That's taking a lot of liberty there. But because none of that happened, it put everything else in motion. Right. Well, I, I mean, think at the moment you probably thought they were going for two and then realizing I the did. history of the coaching staff, then, you know, he was asked afterward and said no. But, like, that's conventional wisdom probably would have told you that. Well, that that actually is, is one interesting point because so – on that particular night, I was standing kind of next to the goalpost. I was squatting down next to the goalpost. Don't make a joke about the fact that I just said I was squatting down next to the goalpost, given all that happened shortly thereafter. <laughs> Thank you very much, hey, Dad. Stop being in fifth grade. I just I took the punchline away from you and didn't even give you. So I was squatting there, and as soon as the touchdown happened, I did not immediately look to the corner to see if there was, as you like to coin it, a urination simulation going on. I immediately looked to the sideline because I had said, you know, there was a timeout, I think, a couple of plays before, 
And I had already raised the question on the broadcast. I was kind of thinking ahead a little bit. And I said, guys, it's really going to be interesting to see if Ole Miss scores a touchdown, are they going to play for the win on the road or will they kick an extra point to send it to overtime? And so once the touchdown happened, I immediately looked to the Ole Miss sideline and nobody at that point knew the flag was coming and Matt Luke already had one finger in the air to signal we're going for one extra point team get on the field. I mean, it's the, I did same. the same. I did the same. I, I, I was uh, on about the 10-yard line on the MSU sideline there, and as soon as I, I knew it was a touch and I looked over and you could see the kicker coming onto the field, and I was just like, I can't believe they're going to kick here. I, I would go for two. You've got all the momentum. but And then I see that there's you know what's going on in the end zone, and it, the rest is history. I didn't know what – I couldn't see from either side, so I just asked him afterward. Borky, what were you going to say? Oh, it's just not surprising at all that they would not choose to go for two. It's the same coaching staff that decided when down three scores in Baton Rouge on fourth and goal from the one that it was best to kick a field goal and have a three-score game <laughs> remain a three-score game. So They also kicked the field. They played for overtime at Vanderbilt in a bowl bin year, and that game ended kind of weird. That game ended very weird um, a year or so ago. Uh, poll question today. Borky, what is, the, uh, what is the poll question that we are leading with on this Tuesday afternoon? Typing it as we speak, but in this article towards the end, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here about how um, a couple of coaches on the Ole Miss staff knew like the second that happened that uh, this is going to cost us our job. I mean, I found that fascinating. I mean, they knew in that moment that it was over, but... There's an anecdote in there about how Kiffin and Leach are friends. And so the poll question today is going to be, typing it right now, are you okay, as an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State fan, are you okay with the two head coaches being friends, openly talking about each other in a friendly manner, tweeting at each other? They're buddies. They might even vacation together after the Egg Bowl this year. Are you okay with that? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with it. I love it. Uh, not a big deal, don't care, or no, you hate it. Going back to what you said a second ago about you know the coaches realizing Rich Rodriguez is quoted, going back to that game, Rippy kept turning around to look at Rich Rodriguez the whole game, and it, to the point where it became a game within a game of me looking at Rippy to see if he's looking at Rich Rodriguez. I wish we had been in the press box, Rippy, to see what Rich Rodriguez's reaction was when that moment happened. Yeah, I kept looking for a highlight, and then I was on the field when the biggest highlight happened. Chris Lowe from ESPN, author of this story, along with Mark Schleyball, will uh, join us about oh, about 20 minutes from right now. Uh, Chris, good writer, and has had kind of a unique perspective. He spent a lot of time with Lane Kiffin and was, uh, was there and kind of did an embed from a reporting standpoint as he made the transition from uh, from Boca to Oxford. Also, Bill Bender from Sporting News will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. All of our guests will appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back with you on this Tuesday. Early results on today's Sports Talk Mississippi poll. Are you okay with Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach being friends? Yes, it's great. Don't care either way? No. 57% of you say that you don't care either way. 34%. Yes, it's great. 
No, it bothers me. Steve responds cool. and says, whoever is bothered by this needs Jesus. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> Everybody okay? Uh, yeah, Borky went into my ear, and then I decided to blurt it out over the airwaves. Sorry. <laughs> That's a uh, oh, inside baseball there. Rippy, one time I gave an entire count uh, going out of a break uh, over the air. I did the 30, 20, 10 over the air. So it happened. One time, I think it's okay to say this now. One time Borky uh, told me, I think Richard was out doing the Bahamas, but Borky told me that we were recording something, a segment. And he told me not to uh, like mention any like date-sensitive things. And then the first thing he said entering the show, I said, not much on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Before he goes in my ear, he goes, come on. It, and I was uh, like, I had no idea what I had done, even 20 seconds after getting the instructions. There you uh, there you go. Uh, C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. C Spire and UMC are partnering to help Mississippi cancel COVID-19 for a limited time. COVID-19 screenings are free through the C Spire Health app for anyone in Mississippi with fever, respiratory issues, or other symptoms of the virus. Download the app to, cha- uh, to chat with a UMMC clinician from your phone. For all Mississippians, a consultation through the app is required to be tested for COVID-19. They can quickly assess your symptoms and determine if you should get tested for the virus. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Dot com. Um, let's just stick with the college football conversation for uh, for a bit. We'll uh, we'll get later this afternoon in the college football fix into some early lines that are out there. I don't know why all of a sudden it feels like we've got a little bit of college football news, but I am here for it. Uh, glad to do it. We will walk through some of the early games, and I, I guess these are all opening week games. A couple that, of them are week two, I uh, think, but they're online. more key. Yeah. Okay. So some uh, odds to get into coming up a little bit later this afternoon for the uh, for the college football fix uh, presented by Ford. So we'll get to that into the 5 o'clock hour with you this afternoon. But let's talk about the opening weekend matchups for, for Ole Miss and for Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, for Mississippi State, um, not a game that at least on the surface you've got any concern about whether or not a it's a win or a loss, but there's going to be some excitement, assuming that these things get played. We're just going to assume for now. I mean, President Trump said today that uh, we're going to be back to business as normal by Easter. That might be a little optimistic, considering that's two weeks from now, but let's just go with the assumption that by September 5th, things are somewhat normal again, and these games are going to happen. What's going to be the storyline going into the season opener for Mississippi State when they host New Mexico in Mike Leach's first game as the head coach. It's going to be like when you, if you come home from work one day, let's say Richard just come home from work today, and your wife has decided to rearrange the furniture in your house. And not only that, she got some new furniture too, furniture okay. that you've never had in your house before. That's what it's going to be like. You're going to walk into Davis-Wade Stadium, familiar setting, familiar surroundings, and everything is going to be completely different. You're going to watch an MSU team probably throw the ball I mean, if you said set an over-under right now, 55 and a half, sure, over that. They'll probably throw the ball close to 60 times. They're going to dominate that first game, obviously, against New Mexico. Uh, you're going to see a quarterback do things that you've never seen at Mississippi State in terms of the passing game. It's going to be 
it's going to be difficult, I would imagine, for people who have come to Davis White Stadium for however long they've been doing it and seen that team in maroon and white run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and now it's going to turn into a complete passing attack. It's it's going to take some getting used to. How long is it going to take for the – I'm just going to stereotype here. The, the 50-year-old man – who has been watching Mississippi State football and understands the game, understands the strategy, knows what he's getting into in watching a Mississippi State offense, but it's going to be his first game watching Mike Leach as the head coach, and he's sitting about 15 or 20 rows up on the 45-yard line, and there is a situation where it is abundantly clear The football strategy play call is to run the football. How long is it going to take in game number one for that particular stereotypical guy to go, run the damn ball? Early. Early in that game. There's going to be a third and two, and they're going to go four wide, and and they're not going to hand it to Kylan Hill. And it, 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 if it falls incomplete, people are gonna they're gonna and be it's gonna be an heads. incomplete pass. Yeah, and you have to punt. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's going to be moments I, like that. I don't that. know that, why I'm laughing it, at that visual because that visual could be in Starkville, or it could be in Oxford, or it could be in Tuscaloosa, or Baton Rouge, or I think I don't Ole Miss know, has sort of already Los gone Angeles. through it a little bit. I think Ole Miss sort of went through it a little bit with Freeze. There were there were definitely a lot of times watching Ole Miss under Hugh Freeze where you just like just run the ball and he wouldn't do it. I can think of like two or three off the top of my head. So it's it's MSU's turn for that now. Yeah, and I was just going to add from a state perspective, it's probably going to be harder to just scrape yourself fully away from that mindset given the better part of the last decade how they've played offense. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's state is even the better part of the last decade. My whole life. State has always been a run-first team. There has never been a time that they weren't a run-first team, except maybe Dak's senior year. But even then, they still ran the football. They just weren't very good at it. Um, and now you're talking about they're, you're going to. I mean, the, the all-time passing record at Mississippi State is like 3,700 yards. I don't have the num- the right number off the top of my head, but there's an outside. There's a, probably a pretty good chance that that number that that record's going to get broken in week ten. You know, you're you're going to have a quarterback throw for four thousand to five thousand yards this year, and for for people who follow Mississippi State, I mean, it doesn't does not compute. Doesn't you know you you're going to have, you should have three to four receivers who catch fifty sixty passes. There might be a guy who catches eighty ninety passes this year. <laughs> the, yeah, th- there will probably be some of this related to Ole Miss as well with Kiffin's analytics deal and and decision making and play calling and situational spots because he even mentioned that in his press conference kind of unprovoked he may have been asked a question directly to it but i think it was more so just kind of a general question he dove into it but like the you know i don't know more conservative water breaks make you weak type guy uh is probably going to have some questions yes that, that those scott people will, clinton, will have questions scott and clinton sends us a, uh, a picture it's a screenshot from um uh the blind side with uh, sandra bullock playing the role of <laughs> Leanne Tui sitting next to Tim McGraw. She's got her cell phone out. It's the the scene where she has called Hugh Freeze on the sideline, and she's pointing out, and the picture says, "Run the dang ball." I love. Hey, Dad, you said a second ago 
that Ole Miss got a dose of that with Hugh Freeze and then an even bigger dose of that with Phil Longo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there just there were just times where Ole Miss, you know, third and one, third and two, especially I know you guys have talked about the red zone antics the past few years where you just you know just just run the football, you know, and Ole Miss has had some some talented backs, especially this past couple of years, but yeah, you know, they just they, they wouldn't do it for whatever reason. Was it more so that though with Ole Miss than like I thought they ran the ball pretty well in both offenses, all things considered. To me, in those situations, it was more so the lack of creativity when they got down in tight spots like that. Like, how There's long has it been too. since Ole Miss ran a screen out of the backfield? If you how can find me one of those, Ole Miss ran a screen. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, probably some wide receiver screens and such, but like a you know your typical screen out of the backfield to pick up a conversion, things like that. There was just a lot of. Uh, I was about to say uncreativity. That's definitely not a word, but lack of creativity, particularly with Longo. I, I, I always remember the 2016 Egg Bowl. There was a, a fourth down play, fourth and one, fourth and two, and they ran a fade pattern to pronounce his last name for me, Adebojo. Yes, and you nailed that one, hey, Dad. Well, Put that on go. the fridge. <laughs> but I, I remember it clearly just like, run the ball. Just, just, just run the ball there. Why? And I remember uh, you go back and watch the the commentary. Brett Musburger's like, "What are they doing?" You know, they just. But that said, that's what's going to happen. There's going to be some third and two, fourth and two, where State's going to come out fourth, four, four, four wide, maybe even five wide. And you, you got a quarterback who's not a running threat, so it's not like you're, you know, the old Dak Prescott days where five wide meant you're going up the middle with him. Going to be different. Gibbon Greenwood says on the C Spire text line, our motto as state fans the last few years has literally been always run, never pass. Yep, I'm a big proponent. It's going to be different this year. And it's going to be fun. It's going to take some getting used to. Chris Lowe from ESPN, senior writer there, will join us after this quick timeout on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Happy to welcome to the show on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Chris Lowe from ESPN, senior college football writer there. He's been at it for a, a long time. He's seen a lot of good football. He's seen some not-so-good football along the way. And uh, Chris, in particular, as it pertains to the state of Mississippi, I, I, I mentioned at the top of the show today that we all live ha, have lived through the last four months or so. And, and so going back and rereading the, the cycle of Egg Bowl to where we are right now, kind of seeing it all right there in black and white, it's a pretty remarkable story what has happened with both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. <laughs> yeah, and you got two guys leading your programs there, and Mike Leach at State and Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss that have done a lot, of, a little bit of everything in football. They've been around championship teams. They've been around programs. They've rebuilt programs. They've been around great coaches. You know, you go back, you know, Leach with Bob Stoops, Lane with Nick Saban and Pete Carroll. And you sort of get the added bonus. Both guys are incredibly entertaining off the field. I mean, they're funny. They're witty. You know, they get along. I know that's going to be um, fun to watch how that plays out because I know that rivalry has not been the 
let, let's just put it, you, you know as well as anybody, it's been pretty nasty. Uh, but they have, a, they have a genuine respect for each other. They, they, they like each other. They get each other. Um, and they don't really care a whole lot about what other people think. And, and I think that's one of the reasons they do get along. And Mike and, and Lane both are, are sort of marched to their own beat, and they're going to do what they want to do. Chris, you had not just a front row seat, but almost a uh, a backstage pass with Lane Kiffin, kind of leading up to the time that uh, that he was hired at Ole Miss. You, you uh, I think, were even on the plane coming from Boca to to Oxford when that was happening. There's a line in the story you wrote um, where Lane Kiffin says, "Please let Ole Miss call today." <laughs> I may be paraphrasing, or can Ole Miss please call today? Why did he want the Ole Miss job? Well, you know, he, he interviewed Arkansas and, and felt pretty good about that, that he had a, a, a pretty good shot, probably was going to get it, was at the top of their list. And you know how those searches go. Things can change sure. hourly or every couple hours. But felt like that was probably his job that he wanted it. But as he looked at the two jobs and where he was the best fit, and, and he told me, I don't know if this much made the story, but he was really impressed with the job that Matt Luke and his staff had done there at assembling the young talent. You know, in, in particular, the quarterback, Plumley, on offense, and some of the guys that he felt like he had a better chance to walk in there and win with quicker. Um, and just sort of the the cultural fit, you know, for, for he and Ole Miss and, and, and coming to a place, you know, that he felt like he could win pretty quick. Uh, I think that was the main reason. In fact, he, was, he said he was sitting out on the beach that morning, you know, just sort of, you know, cause he, he wasn't sure that Ole Miss was going to pull the trigger with him. He didn't know really where. He knew he was sort of in it, but he didn't know where he was in the packing order and, and, you know, if the powers that be were going to sign off, that type of thing. And I think that's why he was saying that. But uh, make no mistake, Ole Miss, of the jobs that he was really in it for, that's the one he wanted the most. I'm curious your perspective on something because you cover the entire SEC, you cover college football as a whole and have for a long time. We've talked a lot on this show about the fact that the people that were closest to the Ole Miss program in, in terms of covering it on a day-to-day basis looked at the John Rice Plumley thing a year ago. Okay, that's a neat story, but Ole Miss may not be able to win with him as a quarterback because of his inability to throw the football. And I feel like at more of a regional and national level, people were so incredibly enamored with John Rice Plumley, maybe because of what he did uh, against LSU and didn't kind of cover it on a day-to-day basis. So wh- what do you think about John Rice Plumley and his prospects of ultimately being a more developed quarterback, especially under Lane Kiffin? Well, and it's not, I know it's not comparing apples to apples or oranges to oranges, but they said a lot of the same things about Jalen Hurts early on in Alabama. I remember who coached him that year. And as a freshman in, in Alabama, just happened to get to the national championship game. So I, I've talked to Lane about that. I mean, he, he, not that he's comparing it to players. You know, Hurts is a lot bigger, stronger, you know, more physical. But uh, he definitely sees potential in, in his ability to develop John into a more you know, complete quarterback, a guy that can throw the football. He's only played a year. You know, I think he's gonna he's gonna get better. It hurts it hurts everybody right now with everything sort of being shut down. You don't have the spring practice. You can't assemble, you know, receivers and quarterbacks and 
and, and sort of form that bond and that chemistry and that continuity that, you know, the summer is so important to the passing game. But no, I don't think there's any question, you know, and you go and look at uh, the fact that Lane, Lane was able to bring in Levy. Jeff Levy is his, is his quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator. He's got a great track record of developing quarterbacks. So there's a lot there, and I can tell you that John Rice was, was certainly a guy as Lane looked at that roster and looked at Ole Miss's personnel and young personnel was one of the guys that when you asked his initial question what appealed to him about the job, it was you know the chance to come in and, and further develop him as, a, as an overall complete quarterback. Well, and this spring certainly would have been fascinating because you've got Matt Corral, who decided not to transfer and is a five-star guy, and also Devo- um, uh, some others who uh, decided to, to stick it out and kind of see how the quarterback thing shook out. Let, let, let's flip to the Mississippi State side of this story, the, the Mike Leach side of this story. I, I know there's a quote in there. Who, he says he was happy at Washington State. Uh, he was happy in Pullman, wasn't necessarily looking to leave, and yet – Two years ago, he almost left for the Tennessee job before that went completely sideways and kind of jumped at the opportunity to get to the Mississippi State job. How badly, regardless of what he says publicly, do you think he wanted out of Washington State and back into the SEC? Yeah, I just think Mike wanted a new challenge. You know, I've gotten to Mike pretty well, too, over the years. He let me come out there, gosh, I guess it was 16, 2016. I spent the whole week with him. Sat in on quarterback meetings, et cetera, and uh, have kept you know in close tabs with him ever since. then. he, uh, he just was looking for a new challenge. You know, he he'd done. I don't know that Mike would ever come out and say this, but he'd done pretty much what he could do at Washington State. Yeah. I know, everyone, you know there's always that was advocate. Well, he, he never he didn't beat Washington consistently. His rival. Well, that's that's true, but it's not really fair because you look at what Washington State had not done before he got there. And what he made them. I mean, they went from really being an afterthought to being a team in the, in the Pac-12 that was a lot of times were at least swimming in those waters where they were in contention to play for a championship. And certainly a team nationally that became relevant. Uh, he's going to do it his way. And David Cutcliffe and, and uh, Mike are, are pretty close. They go back a ways. And I think, in fact, Mike had called cut before taking the job to sort of get his feel on the job. And, and David That's an interesting relationship the there. SEC, the way he plays, the way he thinks, his approach to football, the defensive coaches in that league are not going to like it because he's going to throw it a ton. You know, he's proven everywhere he's been. He can move the football. Uh, he can score points. Now, defensively, he's going to have to stop some people. And I don't, a lot of defensive coordinators sometimes cringe at the thought of having to play down here. Now he's not plays. You know, if you're not completing a lot of those passes. But I think he was ready for a new challenge, and he sees Mississippi State as a place where defensively especially, you look over the last few years, they've been able to assemble a lot of good talent, a lot of guys that are playing at the next level. Um, and not just defensively, but I think if you recruit that state and you're smart about it, we've seen it that state that you can get the kind of talent. If you pair with that kind of offensive system, you're going to be pretty formidable. So I think that's the other thing that he saw and 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 looks at it like, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Dan Mullen had Mississippi State number one in the country in November. Okay, not in September, October, but in November. So it yeah. can be done. Only a minute left, Chris, but uh, you absolutely fascinated me when you said that there's a, a, a relationship between Mike Leach and David Cutcliffe because on the surface those seem like two very different guys. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think it goes back a ways. I think it goes back, you know, and they just have sort of gotten to be friends and both offensive guys, and, and they do talk. And I, I think, in fact, when when Mike was down at Key West, you know, when he actually took the job, you know, when when, when Mississippi State went back, they, they'd already had some conversations with him, but then they went down, flew down and put the hard sell and got him to take the job. I think when Mike was down at Key West, he actually called Cut to sort of feel him out about the job and see what he thought. It's really, uh, really interesting stuff. Fun article, Chris. I, I know for uh, all of us sitting around uh, right now, uh, jonesing for anything sports-related and certainly anything college football-related, uh, this was a uh, little bit of a welcome respite. You and uh, and Mark did a great job putting this one together. Thanks for your time today. Well, thanks a lot. I think Archie Manning said it best. We know one thing about it. He ain't going to be born like Spears when it comes to football in that state in the way that only Archie can say it. Chris, hope we can uh, catch up with you again soon. All right. See you guys. That's Chris Lowe, senior writer at ESPN, covers college football, uh, has been doing so for a very long time. If you've not read the story, uh, do yourself a favor. I mean, it's it's longish, probably a 10-minute read, depending on how quickly you uh, read. Um, maybe you got a little bit more spare time. It certainly is worth your time. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Oh, me, oh, me. I had no intention of getting my blood boiling on this Tuesday. I'm going to at least delay the boiling because I don't think we've got enough time to get into it. But uh, this article from The State, the newspaper in South Carolina, where the headline reads, Clemson QB started GoFundMe campaign for coronavirus victims. NCAA rules shut it down. Isn't being mad like yesterday's take at this point? Like you know, if a student athlete starts a GoFundMe, it's getting taken down, no matter the reason. Like they've made that clear. At least it's consistent. My blood will boil when we get to this. Even though everything you said, Rippy, is one hundred percent accurate. One hundred percent of what you said is accurate. It's maybe still I'm just numb. Me. Yeah, maybe so. Let's I'm do just this. Not instead. surprised. You know, I'm no, just not surprised. No, no, no. No, no, no. You know, if, You're right. If I, every time I walk in somebody's house, they slap me in the face. You know, I just you get used to it after a while. Here's here's what I want to do instead right now. Uh, we got this question from, oh, where was it? It was kind of scrolled down a little bit. Anyway, it was about uh, it was Lucas in Union. Do you think Mississippi State's first game should be played on Thursday night? Mike Leach, primetime television sounds great. So there was a lot I've of, heard I've heard that mentioned and rumored. Is there anything to it? That was a very hot rumor uh, prior to all of the all of this happening that that was going to be the case. Uh, you know, the SEC Network always has a Thursday night game. It was last year was Texas A and M and Texas State. They made that decision in March of 2019 to move that game there. Okay. With everything going on right now, I don't know that you can do that. To be honest, because you know. When, when are you gonna? When are they gonna make? The, they, they can't even make the decision. Are they actually gonna play a season or not yet? They have to sort of wait that out. So I don't know. Um, and to be honest with you, now the idea of being the first game of the year might be something that's attractive to big schools. Of saying, hey, we're gonna be the first game of the year. That, that might be a situation. I'm not saying that Alabama or Ohio State's going to Thursday, but somebody a little further up the totem pole than Mississippi State, especially a matchup against you know a a, a poor FCS team. So. 
I think that was going to happen before we got, you know, quarantined and all that. So now I don't know. There is not currently an SEC team scheduled to play on that Thursday night. Now, of course, right. as with everything right now, I mean, God knows. But it, it was mid March. It was mid March last sure. year where the SEC network announced that they were moving that game to Thursday. Your point, though, about a marquee game. So if we're talking about the SEC network, it wouldn't matter if Ohio State or somebody like that wanted to play. I mean, that could be something that's on ESPN. These right. are your opening weekend games. Florida against uh, Eastern Washington. Georgia against Virginia. That's obviously not going to the SEC network. Kentucky Eastern Michigan. That's not more attractive. Missouri against Central Arkansas. Huge game. Well, I mean, could you plug that one in on Thursday night, maybe? People want to see that orange or that gold sweater, so you never know. South Carolina, Coastal Carolina. Tennessee against Charlotte. Vanderbilt against Mercer. Alabama, Southern Cal, that's obviously a marquee game. Arkansas, Kent State, Auburn, Alcorn State, LSU, UTSA. LSU is not playing on Thursday night. Ole Miss, Baylor. From everything I hear, that game's going to be on Sunday night. John Harris alluded to it. I've had some other people tell me that as well. I think that's going to be the standalone game on Sunday night, which, you know, from a viewing standpoint, is uh, is not a bad idea. Texas A&M, Abilene Christian. So a terrible slate of opening week games. But they will be games. Yeah. Um, They'll all be sold-out crowds because everybody's just going to be jonesing for it at that point. Yeah, maybe. That's a bad slate of games. So, you know, who would the candidates be to play on Thursday? Yeah, when you look at it, when you throw that out there, you're probably right. You know, the, the, the... the, the beginning of the Mike Leach era might be the most compelling storyline since there's not a game that, that really makes you excited. Yeah. I mean, probably Alabama-USC is the Saturday night primetime game on ABC. Uh, Georgia-Virginia has Saturday afternoon on ABC or maybe Saturday night on ESPN written all over it. Uh, we mentioned the Ole Miss-Baylor game. That'll be on... ESPN on Sunday night, probably. Aside from that, I mean, just, you know, whatever. I mean, just stick them wherever. Because that's a bunch of bad games. A&M, Abilene, Auburn, Alcorn State, Arkansas, Kent State, Vandy, Mercer, Tennessee, and Charlotte, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Missouri and UCA, Kentucky, Eastern Michigan, Florida, and again, oh, is that Eastern Washington? I think that Florida's playing. Yuck. But never mind the yuck. We're we're all here for it, right? We're, we're all can't Watch wait every for it. Snap all looking forward to it. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. One hour in the books. We'll be right back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Tuesday afternoon, 24th of March. Thanks for being with us. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. C Spire customer inspired. 
Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line right now and check in with our good friend, Bill Bender, who, uh, like us, is uh, continuing to work to try and generate interesting and compelling content in a time with uh, no actual games. What's up, my friend? Not much. Like you guys, just trying to stay safe. And I, I didn't. I don't know what the rates are down there in Mississippi. As you know, I'm an Ohio boy, and it's been an interesting couple weeks. So we're just kind of praying for warm weather and you know, for people to be safe over the next few weeks. But I will let you – let's just go wherever you want, Richard. You tell me what you want to talk about, and let's do it. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to turn the turn it around on you. You tell me where you want to start today, Bill. Well, I mean, you know, what we've been doing is a lot of NFL free agency stuff. But I think more so – so if you're stuck in your house for two weeks, and I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, we've – We've figured out some fun things to do. We've played some old Sega Genesis games. We've, uh, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog for online. Sh- What's that? The the original Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, no, I was saying sports games wise, like Coach K is great, but a TV show that Grant and I, I didn't get to watch it because it was in the middle of the season. Is um, Peyton's Places is really good on the on the NFL streaming on the ESPN streaming. He does a fantastic job. I'm surprised he didn't take that Monday night football job. He's so Peyton is so good. Yeah. And we, we debated that a little bit yesterday as to, as to why. And I mean, obviously he doesn't have to, you know, if in, in terms of money, but it is a little fascinating to me in terms of his personality, which is so very type a in terms of preparation. There's no question. He would be great. He, he would be different than Tony Romo, but he would be a star in his own right. And, I don't know if it's because, you know, Augusta National is open to members, you know, starting in October or mid-October and kind of runs until, you know, the start of the tournament and he doesn't want to, uh, you know, lock up a bunch of weekends when, when he could be playing golf or, or what it is. Yeah, it is because I think he's one of those voices that football needs in some ways. You know, Romo does a great job on CBS, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I would say, and they couldn't quite pull it off, like, to me, Michael's Manning would be on par with my favorite one of all time, Richard. Is uh, I, I still can because I'm an NFC fan, and I, I still think Summerall Madden's the standard of entertainment to me because of how they played off each other. You had Summerall was probably play by play by you know just point blank matter of fact, and then you'd have Madden talking about all the things that he talked about. It's hard to describe twenty year olds or my nine year old son, for that matter, what a team Summerall and Madden really were. Well, and and aren't we jaded is not the right word, but don't we lean a little toward what it was like at the end with Pat Summerall? Always played in a Cotton Bowl. Maybe maybe it was the last Cotton Bowl they played in. So two thousand nine, I think it was, mm-hmm. and Pat Summerall did that game, and it was abundantly clear that he should probably be doing other things at that point in his life besides broadcasting yep. football games. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's how we hang on to those guys. Um, you know, I, I still think Keith Jackson and Vern Lundquist, they, they were voices we grew up with. But but that's not to say the, the new school of announcers can't do it either. Um, you know, NFL-wise, I, I think Nance and Roma are fantastic. Uh, college football-wise, there are a lot of good teams out there that, that they do a good job. Like, I, I really enjoy games with Herb Street on that. He's not for everybody. I think he's one of the best. 
uh, just because of his enthusiasm for the sport. Yeah, no, I certainly agree on that. All right, so let me ask you this. What does ESPN do about Monday Night Football? Because obviously, you know, given the the way the company has kind of gone after some other people, whether it's Al Michaels or Peyton Manning or, or trying to lure Tony Romo over, they're obviously not tone deaf in in the sense that people are not happy with the combination of Joe Tessitore and, and Booger McFarlane in the booth. Yeah, I don't know what direction you go now. I think you try to poach the, the an A team that, uh, you know, it, 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 I don't know who you get, though. Uh, ESPN obviously has some very large personalities there. They've tried Witten in the booth. They tried Burger. Booger would be better in college football, personally. I think he'd do a great job on the college football scene, uh, him and Spears in particular, together um, in some facet. And uh, I think that would be good. But but I think in terms of the NFL, it's really hard for them to find a voice that can fill that void because, again, you know, not to date myself as I usually do, but I remember when Monday Night Football was the standard, you know, when it had Frank Allen Dan, that was the standard. That's what we watched. Now you watch Sunday Night Football like that, and it's made it tough for ESPN. Had they got Manning, though, that would have been the coup. That would have been the ultimate, you know, maybe Monday Night Football becomes that event again. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting. Is there any scenario where you could see Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit transitioning from college football to Monday Night Football? Fowler would be great on Monday Night Football. I, I like Herbstreit in college. Now you've got to find the right analyst to go with him. So running down the NFL analyst at ESPN right now, trying to think one that I would throw. I mean, they've got some good personalities in the pregame in terms of a guy like Randy Moss. He's a good personality. Um they used to have Woodson. I'm trying to think which Hasselback. Matt Hasselback might be okay on there, but it just wouldn't have that kind of. Right now, ideally, and I know we've mentioned it a few times now. So, like on Sunday, I, rather you're. Pref- I don't know. I can ask you. Who do you prefer on Sunday on an NFL game? Do you like Troy and Joe, or do you like uh, Nance and Romo? Um, I like Joe Buck and Tony Romo. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like if you have them in the same booth, that's the all-star team, Ooh. right? Because yeah, yeah, that'd be really good. That that would be uh, would be really Nance good. And, Nance and Romo have that rapport because they're friends too, though. They can talk about they can do, talk about you're talking about the Masters. They probably played a round or two on that course or something. So it, it's hard to you can't fake chemistry in the booth, and those guys have it. and They do a really good job. So you know, hopefully, like I said, I, I don't know what Peyton's going to do next, but. Um, just like I said, I, when Grant and I were watching Peyton's places, I got into like two of them, and I'm just thinking to myself, why is he not in the booth? Why is he not on TV all the time? He's great at this. Bill, let, let's switch gears for a second. Let, let's pull it to assuming everything starts as it should for college football season that first full weekend of September. How intrigued are you with the matchup between Ole Miss and Baylor? Uh, down in Houston, Baylor with uh, Dave Aranda in his first game as a head coach at any level. Lane Kiffin coaching in his first game at Ole Miss. Oh, very. You know, I mean, that's it's one of those games where you, you just, when you have new coaches, first-year coaches trying to put a stamp on the program, that's going to be a big game that, that they both watch. And neutral site makes it more interesting. Um, I thought both coaching hires were, were good. I mean, for Ole Miss, it's going to be, 
Highly entertaining win or lose with Lane, no matter what. Highly entertaining on social media win or lose, too. Aranda was more of a surprise hire to me because I thought he was waiting to pick his spot, but apparently he saw something at Baylor he liked. I uh, can try to build on what Matt Rule had. And, um, yeah, as far as September goes, that's we were, I was talking about this on a radio show earlier today. I'm a little worried, Richard. I don't, I'm not worried yet. If they cancel SEC media days, then I'm going to be worried. Yeah, you're talking about July 15th, basically. Which this year... That's closer than it seems. Like, it, I, I it guess is. it just seems closer to me than it seems if we're dealing with the time. I don't know what the timetables have been set at Mississippi. Right now, Ohio's holding on to, you know, like first week of April type deal and hoping that we don't spread this thing enough that maybe we can get to back. That's optimistic. Um, but again, we just, we, we, there's nothing to tell. I do think the threat of on football season, especially college football, is very real because the NFL can get away with whopping off three or four games and say, oh, we're just going to play 12. College football, can't, you can't take that. You just talked about that old Miss game. We can't lop three old Miss games off, expect them to play a nine-game schedule and have a college football playoff that, that is anything remotely legit. I mean, that's at least how I feel about it. Well, I don't disagree with the premise there, but I mean – Given the alternative, that's exactly what we would do, right? I mean, if, if if we've got to push from September 5th to October 1st to begin the season, we could play either four or five Saturdays, whichever there are, however many there are in October, and then four straight Saturdays. Nobody gets an open date. Everybody plays their conference games, and then we get our playoff out of that. I mean, if the alternative is not at all, I'm I'm for it. Yeah, like, I, if they had to do something like that, I would prefer they just lop off all the non-conference games. And you'd have to do some schedule reworking, a lot of logistical work that they obviously couldn't do with the NCAA tournament. Um, but, but, yeah, play, have everybody play eight. If you have to push it all the way to October, have them play eight. And we can complain and gripe about who made the playoff, but at least we'd have something like you said and I, I think if we eliminated the college football season I, I i mean that's when it would get really real for me because I, I i don't get me wrong i love all these sports that are suspended right now but um that's when it gets super real is if we because i don't think you can do Ole Miss baylor with no fans in the stands i just don't think yeah. you can play football no i agree with that fans in the stands. i agree with that bill thanks for your time stay safe my friend Hey, you guys, too. Thanks so much for having me on. That is Bill Bender from the Sporting News, Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm on this Tuesday, 24th of March. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. If we get to the start of football season on time, how would you describe what the appetite for sports fans is going to be? Well, the consumption this coming year, if we go, you know, until sometime in July before we get Major League Baseball back, maybe the NBA comes back, maybe it doesn't. Is college football season starting when it's going to feel real again? 
I think you'll see it in other sports more because people always like people are uh, this country is football obsessed. I don't think they're really denying it. But like if you get the NBA back midsummer, the amount of just random people who wouldn't otherwise watch the NBA or Major League Baseball or something like that, the sports you kind of take for granted, but you're going to take nothing for granted after this, I think you'll see it more there. I think the appetite for football is already kind of too nuts to be quantified, I guess, even more. I did an interview with uh, with Leah Beasley, who's MSU's Assistant Athletic Director for External Affairs is her official title. She's their marketing person, is, is really what she is. Yeah. And I asked her this. I was like, do you think it's, you know, there's going to be so much uh, appetite for college sports that, like, fall semester starts with volleyball and soccer before you get to football. Could you see big crowds at volleyball and soccer? And she said that they're expecting that, that people are just going to be so desperate to put on maroon and white or red and blue or whatever that they'll they'll go cheer for anything at that point. Well, just on the topic in general, for y'all two in particular, not including Borky, if you put on a regular season NBA game right now amidst what all you're doing other than this radio show, would you watch it? 100%. It doesn't matter who's playing. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't necessarily, like, re if I had something else going on, I wouldn't necessarily reschedule around it. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm at home or looking for something to watch and you give me the return of the NBA, and it's, I don't know, the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets? Sure, I'm watching. Absolutely. Borky, I don't think he was uh, trying to exclude you. Oh, no, I'm just, just watching uh, regardless. Yeah, you, you were watching that in November. <laughs> yeah, or, or, I was one of, those, one of those few idiots that was. I still, I am so excited for the prospect of them getting the season right to where the summer won't be filled with a lull. I know we have Major League Baseball, and there's a lot of baseball fans, but even like summer MLB doesn't feel like it's a season where now if they get it right, the NBA will start on Christmas Day, never compete with football, and then give us the playoffs in July and August. That is what we need to the sports calendar to make it perfect, to where no matter what month you're in, there is compelling sports going on. From September to December, you've got football, and that I mean, is compelling in and of itself. And then you start the NBA season, you have conference play in college basketball, and then March Madness, and then baseball starts, and then you have NBA playoffs and baseball playoffs and football, and there's never a lull in the calendar. Those two months are what's missing to give us a complete 12 months a year of nothing but meaningful sports being played. I agree with you. Do you think ultimately there's an appetite for that with the NBA? I, I know that that's something that's been talked about a little bit with the owners, right? I mean, you know, what if we change the schedule a little bit? So what what would be the argument against doing that? The main one they've used is not enough people are at home watching television during those late summer months. But I don't even think that really holds up. I think just that the fact that there's no competition would cancel that out. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And I mean, you know, Rippy, I guess maybe you're in a different place in life. Borky, you're transitioning to this. Hey, Dad, I, I don't know if you fall into this category or not, but we probably is it we don't we don't watch a ton of TV as a family, regardless. Um, you know, my kids are into watching cartoons or whatever it is that they watch. If their ball game's on, I've usually got the TV on, whether I'm glued to it or not. They're, you know, just some sort of sports on television. We don't generally watch anything in the morning. 
and we don't sit down and watch sitcoms or, or whatnot. But whatever amount of that we do, we do less of that in the summer. When it doesn't get dark until 8.30 and nobody's got school the next day, we're out in the yard or cooking something on the grill or, or whatever. So I see where that argument's coming from. But if that's the only thing going and it's compelling basketball, don't you think people would watch in July and August? Absolutely. And how much of a difference is there between late May and June and late July and August? You know, how much of a difference is there? Because in Too late much? May and June, your kids are still out of school. The sun's still up forever. So how much of a difference is there between those two? To underscore that point, you're kind of doing the same thing with like being outside and stuff, but you still kind of plan around watching some College World Series if you have an interest in it. Like I remember going to people's lake houses and then watching. I guess in thirteen, if it was it was State that went almost all the, or went to the national title series, whatever it was, it was like right before I got to college. It was thirteen, and like we would we yeah. would plan nights or whatever around that, like we're doing things like outside or whatever, and then go grill out and watch that. Like I feel like people would do that for the NBA finals or whatever's on. Yeah, fans, people are going to watch what they watch. It doesn't really matter what day of the week it's on, what day of the month it's on. If the NBA Finals are on and I want to watch it, it can be January, February, March. It doesn't matter. I'm going to watch. I think I think there's just too much emphasis sometimes put in on, on the calendar when it doesn't really matter. That's why college football, they play it Monday through Saturday basically now because they know people are going to tune in. And don't the numbers back that up? I mean, Borky, we've yeah. seen – I mean, they're, they're not the same as Saturday night games, but people watch the Maction games on Tuesday nights in November. They do, and that's why they keep doing them. It's the best opportunity for those programs to be seen, and the numbers are good. It's yeah. sad because these kids play in front of – at times there will literally be less than 100 people in the stands. But they get seen on TV more than ever, and, and – you know, television money equals facilities and scholarships and all that good stuff. So you trade the good with the bad. Well, but I mean, people just watch sports. Period. Yep. People watch the Pro Bowl still. You have seven million people tune in to watch the Pro Bowl, and it's so bad. I mean, the product is just terrible. But doesn't matter. Well, okay. So circling back to where we started on this, how big? Rippy disagrees. He thinks the appetite's going to be bigger for the return of whatever is first, whether it's the NBA or Major League Baseball. Uh, maybe that's a relevant question. If Major League Baseball is the first thing to come back, will we get a national ratings boost for Major League Baseball? Yes, sir. Be a little bit of, of a renaissance, yeah, for for MLB. And uh, I don't disagree. I think it's just going to be harder to find a different, like to to measure a difference in football, just because the interest is already so high versus other sports, to where you kind of have more casual viewers or people that don't otherwise watch the, at all. Yeah. The difference in football will be noticed in live attendance. Those miserable games we all just mentioned that uh, a couple segments ago will be packed because people want to get back to watching sports. You, so you think the crowd will be bigger now for Mississippi State, New Mexico, than it would have been three months ago? Maybe because... that might not be the best example, but Auburn, Alcorn State, yes. Florida, Eastern Washington, yes. State's a good example because they had a new coach and they had a lot of excitement. Ole Miss, you know, I don't know who their first home game is against, but not a good Simo. example because there's a lot. Southeast yeah, but, Missouri State. Yeah, I didn't a lot, even Lane Kiffin coming in. Top of my head. Well, do your job, Rippy. Uh, <laughs> but new new coach, a lot of excitement. 
But for those programs that are not, you know, playing, not new, no new coach, new excitement, but they're playing these terrible teams week one, they're still going to have sellout crowds, I'd be willing to bet. I think that's a fascinating case study. Will the return of college football, regardless of who you play, see an uptick in attendance compared to recent years? Because we had the story last week about college football attendance going down and down and down and down and down and down and down. Will this be what makes it trend back up? Or, to me, the counter-argument to what you just said is we're not going to be that far removed from the don't gather in crowds larger than 10. Is there going to be any hesitation for people going, I mean, why don't I give it one more week until it's a game I really want to see? And I'll just watch this first one on television. I mean, I think it's going to depend on how far away from the all-clear we are, I guess. If the all-clear is that Monday, you might be right. But if we have a month of getting back together, then I think everybody will be okay. Sounds like hockey's going to be the one to come back first, by the way. I had my money on that on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, Other than If it was up to Liberty University, we'd be starting this tomorrow. (laughs) Did you guys see see that story? Uh, Is that the most uh, unsurprising thing you've ever heard? It's unbelievable. It's the second most unsurprising thing that I've heard today, but I probably don't need to say the first on the air. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. If you missed that story, we'll give it to you when we come back. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Colleges and universities all over the United States of America, and frankly all over the world, have closed. They have gone to online learning, to online connectivity, and have sent students home. Don't come back, especially don't come back right after spring break. You've been out mixing and mingling and cavorting about the, uh, the globe, Bringing that back and creating, you know, large petri dishes, probably not a good idea for anybody. All of the health experts say no groups of 10 or more. And then we get the news yesterday that Liberty University, led by Dr. Jerry Falwell, is inviting students back and forcing faculty to return. About 1,900 students returned to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, a spokesman confirmed to CNN on Tuesday. During spring break, Falwell and his executive leadership team began meeting every afternoon to determine the measures that needed to be taken for all programs to go online and for students to be able to return to their dorms and use the campus dining services they paid for. So that's what they're doing. Now, students are not required to return to campus, but all students were invited to turn to or return to campus. They were expecting somewhere between a few hundred and 5,000. Jerry Falwell said they were debating whether to extend spring break and, quote, risk students having a longer time to become exposed to the virus. So they think there's going to be less exposure to the virus by bringing everybody back to Lynchburg. 
It would be the most galaxy brain Hugh Freeze move of all time to invite the students back so he could have spring practice and be the only sports thing going on right now for their spring game while he coaches in a quarantine booth up in the press box. Uh, well, maybe a friend he of mine tweeted his own funeral again. That's a gathering more than ten. <laughs> a friend of mine tweeted this out, but we do know at Liberty they have at least one extra hospital bed. Uh, is it still stuck in that room, or, or did they repair that wall? How did that work? Well, no, that was at ULL, if I'm not mistaken. It may have happened at Liberty, too, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they... No, that had to have been at Liberty. There's no way ULL is knocking out a wall for freeze. There was some kerfuffle about that when they went uh, down there. you ever was seen the, the show Righteous Gemstones? Yes. Richard, if you haven't, you'd probably enjoy it. Don't watch it around the kids. Um, it's a parody on these, um, like these mega church families that have millions and millions and millions of dollars and corruption. It's got John Goodman in it. Um, it's really good. It's really funny. I used to think that was about the Falwells, but it seems like it's kind of an all encompassing deal, but their timelines are kind of similar to each other. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam issued a statewide order on Monday to help slow down the spread of coronavirus. The order bans gatherings of more than 10 people and goes into effect just before midnight tonight. The order also closes non-essential businesses and shuts down all K-12 through schools for the rest of the academic year. Lynchburg Mayor Trini Tweedy said she did not endorse having the students return to campus. I was surprised and disappointed to later learn of President Falwell's most recent decision to allow students to come back. We're in the midst of a public health crisis. I'm concerned for the students, faculty, employees, and I am also very concerned for the residents of the Lynchburg community. University gave students a choice in whether they wanted to return by filling out an online form with their intent. As of Tuesday... About 1,900 students returned to campus out of a student population of somewhere between 14 and 15,000. In his statement, Jerry Falwell said, our thinking was, let's get them back as soon as we can, the ones who want to come back. Not only are you bringing students back, you're bringing students back directly off of spring break. Now, maybe by their spring break being a, a – I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt here. By being a week later, they all went home and couldn't go anywhere. But imagine oh, – oh, let's just imagine for a second where we are, right? So – Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss were on spring break when it was announced spring break is going to be extended another week and don't come back. You may have to come back to get a bunch of stuff out of your dorm. You can do that. You've got until, I don't know, Tuesday night of the next week to get it out. Everything's online. We're done for the rest of the semester. What if they had brought everybody back? Hey, Dad, you would have had kids returning from New Orleans, and we've seen those yahoos that were just being as stupid as can be in South Florida, you know, whether it's Miami or Fort Lauderdale or, you know, farther up the coast in Clearwater Beach, gallivanting around Europe. 
It's not a coincidence, by the way. That Partying the new- in Cancun in the Bahamas? I'm sorry, Borky. I just was continuing believe, to uh, rattle places off. I believe one gentleman eloquently put it. Uh, this is from the Fort Lauderdale area. Uh, if I get it, I get it. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly what he said. Hey, Dr. Spot Fauci's back today. Sorry. Uh, they've got a new uh, coronavirus task force briefing uh, happening at the White House. They have uh, so White many House briefings. And- how do they ever like try to get stuff done? Oh, it's no. daily going forward, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Why are they having correct. briefings? That seems like a gathering of 10 or more. Yeah, but they've got everybody spread out. Just not on oh, stage. Okay. Sure. No, seriously, they, they like we couldn't. There, they there couldn't are only just like do twelve it. reporters in there. The government couldn't just figure out a way to do a teleconference. It's probably beyond their means. They don't know what the Zoom app is. Trump on way, a teleconference versus Trump on television would lose a little bit of its luster. I guess. True, true statement. Just from a sheer entertainment value, like not being political. No, I, I understand that. I understand what you're saying. Um, not only is Dr. Fauci back, he's got a new position. He's now directly behi- behind Trump, like over his right shoulder. You know, he has been standing, what, like uh, downstage left? He's now center stage right over uh, the president's right shoulder today. So I guess if These are going to go on for weeks. They should do like a guest uh, member of like the group. Like I'd like to see Ed O pop up once or maybe McConaughey or something. Just have a random guy amongst the group. The state of Louisiana to, uh, of Louisiana has marketed the heck out of Ed Ogeron. He's become like the public voice for stay home, we're Louisiana tough, but be smart, and whatnot. Alabama just released one of, of Nick Saban doing a PSA. Not a press conference yet, but uh, ironically, he's in his office so, telling people to work from home. But um, they've done one themselves. And the state of Louisiana, you know, our, our border state, has had a really significant outbreak. Uh, I think they're third in the country. I may be getting this wrong uh, in in fatalities. It's definitely up there. I know that. Um, so they have to take it more seriously than maybe others are because their outbreak is, is significant. We get a text message on the C Spire tech li- uh, text line that says, Liberty doesn't allow that spring break cavorting, at least when I went there. And they may not allow it, but it's not exactly like they control it once students leave campus. Pretty sure you can go online and find some great pictures of uh, Franklin Graham cavorting. So probably not a who not too difficult for this. Franklin Graham and he one of the the guys up there. But the the Jerry Falwell Miami nightclub pictures may be the ones you're talking about. I thought that was Franklin Graham. No. What am I missing? I can't keep Bob Sullender reminds us that uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. has passed as Jerry Falwell Jr. If I said Sr., my apologies. Well, regardless, you see what I'm getting at. Yeah. No, I, I, I get you. I get you. You want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395 to start the 5 o'clock hour. We've got the college football fix for you. We might even give you a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. It'll be a futures pick. Borky, it's been a while since we've had anything that it feels like we could pick. We can pick some of these, right? Yeah, we can. And um, if you get the Trump check, which, by the way, random question, 
If they use our 2018 tax returns to send us this check, that's two addresses ago for me. Well, you're out of luck, friend. Is that really how it's going to work? Like, I just won't get my Trump check? That is correct, and whoever lives there now is getting two. Well, it'll be addressed to me, I guess. Anyway, put your Trump check on Ohio State at Oregon. There's there's a pick for you right there. Okay. Michael Borky spending your money. Oh, for I'm not spending. I'm your in investment in advisor. We're investing. Speculating in the stock market again, I see. Oh, this you is remember a guarantee. That line, hey, Dad? It was one of Jack yeah. Crystal's great lines. <laughs> Bulldog fans speculating in the stock market again, I see. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Promised I'd get your blood boiling. Here we go. People around the world are searching for ways to help make a difference as the coronavirus outbreak continues to cause sickness and death and change the way humans go about everyday life. Clemson star quarterback Trevor Lawrence and his girlfriend, Marissa Mowry, who plays soccer at Anderson University, tried to do what they could to help coronavirus victims. But NCAA rules prohibited them from going through with the plan. Lawrence and Mowry started a GoFundMe page to raise money for coronavirus victims on Monday afternoon. It was shut down the very same day after raising $2,670. Mowry said through a video on our Instagram account that they were forced to deactivate the page. A Clemson official confirmed they were not allowed to have the GoFundMe account active due to NCAA rules that prohibited using name, image, and likeness for crowdfunding. Unfortunately, Trevor cannot be a part of this anymore due to compliance and some rules, so he can't help out anymore, she said on her Instagram page. And also, we have to take down the GoFundMe page. Just a the- few short hours after this story broke, guess what the NCAA did? What? They reached out to Clemson and told them it was okay now. Oh, really? Funny how that works, isn't it? It really the is. The money that was raised would go to Meals on Wheels America and No Kid Hungry, according to Trevor Lawrence in the uh, video. Negative press the, works is the lesson here. It's, cr- it's crazy the lack of today. PR uh, of things. Third, in my opinion, third. I don't know what I don't know what your second one was, but Sixers. you had this. Do I now? The seventy Sixers. Yeah, and Ole Miss. Oh yeah, I did see that. And Ole Miss had to had to uh, to had to do a, an apology for sending well, out. The, what I mean, if nothing else, it's just in, it feels like it's in bad taste. Well, okay, if you're if you're missing what happened, so there was an email that went out that basically was from the university's foundation side of things, asking people to consider making Ole Miss a benefactor in their will. The timing was horrible. Yeah. That's an automated email that was scheduled a long time ago, right? I mean, we're, we're, so we should be able... it. Unautomated. I, I agree. I, I agree. It's doable. I saw, just on a much lesser note, there was a, a Jackson restaurant that announced on, like, Thursday they were closed. And then on Saturday they had a tweet go out, say, hey, come by and check us out today and pick I'm just like, somebody's got to be on top of that. Come on. 
Yeah. And especially at Ole Miss, somebody's got to be on top of it. Or Deadspin, <laughs> Deadspin made new shirts, and the headline of their article was, wear the, the shirt to the ball game or your next gathering. <laughs> Saw <No>. that. <laughs> Come on, guys. What? Dave Portnoy kind of made fun of himself on that, though, didn't he? Well, that's not Deadspin. That's Barstool. Oh, that's why Dave Portnoy was making fun of that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it exactly. wasn't him, yeah. <laughs> That is a Sorry. layered beef. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you're you're right. You're, you're right. Um, but we're th- we're not talking. I mean, we're talking about PR mishaps, but not all of those are exactly the same. The 76ers yeah. said we're not going to continue to play our employees at full rate, and then they got grilled, and they were like, you know what? That was a really bad decision. We're going to fix it. Yeah. So, props to the 76ers for fixing it. You see what? The NCAA says, this is a terrible look, and we're going to fix it. The deal with Ole Miss is somebody dropped the ball, but that was not an intentional, we're going to do something that is against the good of humanity. A bunch of people are about to die, so let's hit them up for some money now. That wasn't that wasn't the case, you don't think? Always be closing. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get Somebody that got a set of steak coffee. knives up in Oxford today. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, did you uh, see uh, Woj's report, by the way, on the 76ers deal? So other NBA owners are closely monitoring that because they don't want their net worths to start trending on Twitter. So instead of taking care of our employees who live, in some cases, a lot of cases, paycheck to paycheck, have no idea where their next mortgage payment's going to come from, no, they're worried about their net worths trending on social media. Well, he was he was trying to make the point of like yeah that like they should monitor the situation closely because like it's going to end up as hey you're a billionaire and you're discussing what now. I think if Borky was a billionaire, he would constantly want his net worth to be trending on Twitter. Oh God, no! It would be in his but, Twitter profile. You, you, it would be is, at Michael Borky worth one point six billion dollars. I wouldn't have Twitter. I wouldn't have Facebook. I probably wouldn't have a cell phone. I'd buy a private island in the Bahamas, bring my wife, my kid, and my couple of dogs, and just enjoy the rest of my life there. I'd have a business card with my name only on it. (laughs) There are a few stories like that. Don't contact me. I'll contact you. Yeah. How do you get a hold of me? You don't. But, But most of the people who are driven to the point that they're able to achieve that level of financial success, they can't stop. I would they stop at a billion dollars. Sports talk, Miss No, you wouldn't. You'd stop at like $100 million. <laughs> You're not kidding. That'd be enough. You'd stop way before you got to a billion. College Football Fix is next. You on Sports Talk Mississippi rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Tuesday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk coming your way on Super Talk Mississippi every single day. Stay up to date on the latest developments in the state as we deal with the coronavirus outbreak. Follow News Mississippi on Facebook, Twitter, and on the News Mississippi app for Apple and Android devices. Don't forget, if you missed any of the show today or any of the show yesterday or last week, you can always go back and get them through podcast form or through the audio on demand at supertalk.fm. Podcast available wherever you get your podcast for Sports Talk Mississippi. 
Thunder and Lightning with Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. The Rebel Report with Brian Scott Rippey and Michael Borky. And, of course, the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcasts as well. And uh, as we mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, don't forget that small local businesses are going through some incredibly difficult times right now. And there are a few things that each of us can do to support our favorite local businesses. Buy gift cards. That's something you can do. You may not be ready to go in and try clothes on right now or uh, be able to go in and have a meal at your favorite restaurant, but you can buy a gift card. The local businesses get their money when you buy the card today, and you'll be able to use it later when life returns to normal, and you'll certainly help some people out. You can also order takeout or use curbside pickup from your favorite local restaurants that are offering those services and remind everybody else that the most helpful thing they can do is to shop local and buy local. A little compassion right now can certainly go a long way, and I can assure you, I mean absolutely assure you personal experience, that uh, every purchase that you make is more appreciated than you can ever imagine when it comes to small businesses here in Mississippi. Time right now for the College Football Fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and check out the deals that they've got going at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. If you've got a relatively new Ford vehicle and the uncertain times are causing some financial concern from you, reach out to Ford and talk to them about the needs you've got. They may have some programs in place that can, uh, can help you in a difficult time. Actual college football news, Vegas style. Via Bet Online, we've got some odds on early season games from Dublin. By the way, do you think that Navy Notre Dame gets played in Dublin at this point, or we're going to have this one in the good old U.S. of A.? Honestly, I have no idea what the coronavirus is doing in Ireland right now. Well, I'm pretty sure whiskey kills it, so they'll probably be okay. Yeah. Or, according to some people, breathing in a hairdryer kills it. So, Well, I, I don't know about that. But yeah, uh, don't I do think that, by it, the way. It doesn't. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. It, I think if you're if you're clear to play here, you're probably a lot of hot clear air. to play, play there. Oh. I'm filled with it already. Why would I need to do that, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> only a dad uh, can make that joke. Well done. By the way, ESPN has massive plans because that's a week zero game, right, before everybody else gets started? Yes, it is. They are taking college game day to Dublin. They've already done site visits. They've done a bunch of promotional stuff. Not that anybody necessarily cares about ESPN and whether their plans get thwarted, but it's going to be a pretty cool atmosphere for that game, Navy and Notre Dame. By the way, Notre Dame, 13.5-point favorite against Ken Niamatololo's club, who didn't play great early last year, but really got a good bit better as the season went along. Uh, Let's just pick these games against the spread right now. And we'll tell you that our picks are the Pearl River Resort picks of the day. Nothing like making picks six months out. Pearl River Resort, Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. When we get sports back, the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge will be open, as will all the casino properties affiliated with Pearl River Resorts. 
including uh, Gold Moon, Silver Star, and Bacoma. Dancing Rabbit is open right now. Pro Shop's not open. You can't sit down and eat there, but you can play golf. Give them a call before you come. When the weather turns nice, it's going to be a great spot for you to get away. Check it all out. Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Navy getting 13.5 against Notre Dame in Ireland. Uh, you should take Notre Dame in this one. The, the reason why Navy and Army, it, yes, they're well-coached football teams, are able to sneak up on Oklahoma, Michigan, for example, despite there being a massive talent gap, is the gimmicky offense on a short week to prepare. When you have an entire fall camp to, to get all the looks of the triple option, uh, that's why Paul Johnson's bowl record's not very good. Season openers, bye weeks, bowl record, not good. more you have time to prepare for the gimmicky offense, the easier it becomes for the more talented team to stop it. So um, Notre Dame, plus or minus the 13 and a half, excuse me. Didn't Michigan have the entire offseason to get ready for Army last year? That wasn't in the opener, if I remember correctly. Yeah, or it was, was week it? two. You knew it was coming up. Well, yeah, they, and they had a lot more problems than just Army. But generally speaking, the triple option, the, the more time, easier to stop, full offseason, more talent. Extremely overrated coach, but he's still good enough to, to beat Navy in Ireland. Hey, Dad, did you hear that crawfishing when I pointed out an example that punched a small hmm. hole in his theory? Oh, yeah, yeah but uh, they had a No, it's problem. not exactly yeah, crawfishing. It was week two, not week one. You don't spend your entire fall camp preparing for a week two game. So the theory holds true. Yes, there is going to be always small or even exceptions to a given rule, especially in sports. Um, but no, my logic is sound here. So nice try. Yeah, Michigan did, definitely spent the all-season getting ready for Middle Tennessee State. No question about that. Uh, my, my theory on this is very simple. What kind of fool would bet against the fighting Irish in Ireland? Not me. So give me Notre Dame. Rippy? Uh, the troops tend to do pretty well overseas. I'm probably going Navy here. <laughs> I kind of get the theory. What a in great general, answer. But I have seen uh, I have seen Army drop sixty on Houston during bowl season, and then I believe Mississippi State had some trouble with Paul Johnson a year or two or a Big few time. years back. Yeah. Yeah. Anchors away, my boys. I'll take the 13-and-a-half in Dublin in week zero. Why not? Florida State at Boise State, it's a pick em. Last year it was Boise State going into Tallahassee. I kind of like Florida State in the opener for uh, Mike Norvell at Boise. I do not. Give me the uh, the Broncos in this one. I think, I think Florida State's they got they got a little rebuilding still to do. Okay. Forky. A little surprised that Brian Harson's still there, but either way. Yeah. By the way, that is not week one. Uh so these are just early lines. Uh Boise oh, State is geez. hosting Georgia Southern. I don't know what week this is. Um, okay. I, I will I will scroll to find it. I thought these were all week one, but in hindsight they are not. They're just marquee matchups. Um early in the season. Early in the season. Um Surprised he didn't get hired. I think that'll be a really cool game and atmosphere that Boise State should potentially win. Nope. Who you got, Rippy? Where is this being played again? I missed that part. Boise. On the Smurf turf. Uh, Okay, I'll go Boise then. That is week three, so it will be September 19th when that game is played. That might be snowing by then. (laughs) The thing is, you're joking, but not really. What about the Holy War? This year it's at Rice-Eccles Stadium in downtown Salt Lake City. 
BYU and Utah. Utah's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I love that game. Is Romney still playing quarterback there? Mitt? His nephew, I think, was took some snaps at quarterback, started a few games last year at BYU, if I remember correctly. Wait, is Taysom Hill not the quarterback at BYU anymore? No, but uh, shockingly, nobody's picked up that first-round tender on him, so can't believe that. Yeah. You know, Utah lost a lot off of that team from last year. I lean in the direction of Utah, but that's not a very strong lean. It might be an important year for Kalani Sataki and BYU. Such a great name. Hey, Dad, which direction do you go in the Holy War? I mean, this is at the end of the day, this is a good Power 5 program versus a pretty good group of five programs. So just on those parameters, I'll, I'll, I'll take Utah. Lay in the uh, – yeah, a touchdown win and you cover. Yeah. Uh, I love Alabama laying 14.5 on a neutral side against Southern Cal because Alabama does quite well in these early season games. I'll take Utah, by the way. Well done, Rippy. <laughs> While you're at it, do you like Alabama or Southern Cal? Alabama. 14.5. Don't even care who's playing quarterback for Alabama, just like them. Do not. Or Clay Helton, by the way, uh, did one of those coach PSAs and asked everybody to stay inside. The replies to the video were anywhere between, we hope you don't practice social distancing, to, I will only quarantine if you resign, or actually, coach, this makes me want to hang out in groups larger than 10. (laughs) Ruthless. It feels like there's an inevitable ending for Clay Helton at Southern Cal, but we thought the exact same thing this past season. A couple of other games to look at. We'll do a handful more when we come back. By the way, don't take these picks seriously. We're just having some fun. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, and this is the College Football Fix. Again, picking games against the spread on March 24th, and we're talking about September 5th or late August or mid-September, we're just having a little bit of fun because it's like actual games to talk about. And we haven't had much of that lately. So we hope you're having some fun as we think ahead to the college football season, and we are hopeful that uh, the college football season will not be interrupted. Um What do you guys think about this game? Michigan at Washington. So that's – is that week one, Borky? I am looking for it right now. I found the the rest of them. I know that doesn't help in this moment, but I can tell you where the rest of them are. Just give me one second on this one. Sure. Um, Michigan-Washington. So uh, Michigan will have a new quarterback this year. Shea Patterson will no longer – Yeah, I I was thinking that that was a week one game. Maybe – one of the most marquee games that we'll have on the week one slate. So, um, new quarterback at Michigan, new quarterback at Washington. That's a fun matchup. And Everybody's cheering for too. Washington in that game that's not an actual Michigan fan, right? Kind of feels like it. Is this a prove-it year for Harbaugh, or are people happy? Because if you look at Michigan's history, I know what they're paying him in – a lot of fan expectations don't match reality. Um, he's winning at a level. Not beating Ohio State is not 
exactly something that Michigan's been great at in recent history anyway. I mean, their greatest coach of all time has, what, a less than 500 record against Ohio State? So it's not like that's been something that they've done consistently, and he's winning double-digit games almost every year. What more do you want? They want national titles, even though they, they historically have no reason to accept one, to expect one, I mean. Yeah. What was it, 1997, the last time they won it all? Is that right? Yeah. Tennessee you were what, at 22, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, something like that. 17. Borky. Oh, so it wasn't even that far off. No, you weren't that far <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, Not 1997 is uh, their last claimed national title. And it's a title. split national title. Yeah. Are we going to have an on-the-air birthday party for me this year? We didn't have one for me. Yeah, but it's my 40th. Yeah, well, it was my 28th. Yeah, that's a Thursday as well. We'll have to uh, we'll have to think about that. We'll just make fun of me for the entire day, which will make it not terribly different than most other days on the show. Can we do a full-on roast? A roast yes. of Richard Cross. Yeah. Get some other Can we people raise some on money here? for somebody by doing that? That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. You know who would be great at roasting you for, or I think would be great at roasting you? You freeze. Let's hear it. Cole Kubelik. I like Rippy's answer. <laughs> yes, Cole Kubelik. We, we could make this happen. we got some time to plan this out. And then we look up one day, Borky and Richard's just sitting in the park. You know, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dad, you're fat. And you, never mind. <laughs> Boom, roasted. Boom, roasted. 15-year anniversary. Not 15-year anniversary. Yes, 15-year anniversary of The Office debuting today. Hey. Nobody seems interested in talking about Tennessee at Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma's going to smoke them. Yeah, the What's ball, the line? Will they? The Give me the Sooners. They'll be back for one offseason. Eight and a half. Give me the Sooners. Ooh. They just lost a running back to Ohio State for whatever that's worth to you. Oh, no. And that They might game... have to get another one. <laughs> another five-star. So you're saying there's a chance. That game is in week number... Two. Two. Tennessee at Oklahoma, week two. Is that a is that a measuring stick game for Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee? No, nobody expects them to win. So if they win and they do something or they play really close, it could be something. But if they get blown out, nobody's going to write them off for anything. No, I, I know nobody's going to write them off. But but that's why I use that term. I, I didn't call it a litmus test. I called it a measuring stick. I mean, is that a game outside of SEC competition where Tennessee can say? Okay, this is where we are now as a program. It'll be used uh, it, as one. It, it just depends. If they have a positive result, and even losing by less than that, that spread would be considered a positive result for me. But if they get blown out, I don't think they should. I don't think they should take anything from it. They should just go move on to the next game. I mean, don't you? I mean, just think showing year... up will be better than last year's opener. Yeah, true. But don't you think in year three that? Considering what people think about Tennessee, I've given my thoughts on this show many times that I don't think it's a program that can today compete consistently for national titles. You hire the right coach, anything's possible, but generally their uh, their era as a power is over. But still, in the SEC in year three, don't you think that your coach should go to even Norman, Oklahoma, 
and be competitive? And if not, shouldn't that be a an indicator of something not wrong, but potentially not working as it should? A place like Tennessee, everybody thinks it's a power. They recruit well. In year three, going to Norman, Oklahoma, and not being competitive, I think that's a big problem. I just disagree with you. Oklahoma is a consistent year-in, year-out college football playoff team. Tennessee won five games this season, or six games a season ago or something. If they get blown out, it's, it's just not that big a deal to me. Cincinnati at Nebraska. I mean, that's a, uh, Week a team, four, by the way, for that one. Yeah, that feels like an important game for Nebraska. Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, established... Uh, consistent winner at this point. Uh, did, did Cincinnati go 11-1 and last year in regular season? Is One right? loss was or to Ohio State. Wait, but didn't they lose to Memphis at the end? Did they go 10-2 and or 11-1? and I know they won 11 games. I was thinking they lost at the end of the regular season to Memphis and then lost again to Cincinnati, them two weeks later. Cincinnati they lost to Ohio State. They lost... To Memphis, back-to-back games. They lost the the regular season finale to Memphis and the um, ACC. Is that right? AAC. Whatever it is. The the AAC uh, championship game to them. Yeah. And the reason I say I think it's an important game for Nebraska is you're talking about, you know, another year for Scott Frost, and the expectations are so high. I mean, Borky, there are a lot of people that would put Tennessee and Nebraska as a program in kind of the same category that – their best years are in the rearview mirror, but they're also trying to rebuild it. Feels that way, yeah. Could Nebraska's be a huge a... game for Cincinnati and Luke Fickle if they were able to win that one. Yeah, because you would think, and who knows what the roster makeup is, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I do, but winning 11 games in two consecutive years, you think you would be that program that, you know, maybe if we beat Nebraska and run the table in the AAC, we could have an argument to maybe slip in as the number four seed. You know what I mean? Like, be that team to make the playoff by winning a game like that. Week two, Ohio State is at Oregon. Ohio State's a six-point favorite in that game. That should be a fantastic football game. Put your trump check on the Buckeyes. Why do you say that? Better you roster. Just love that team. Oh, well, and I They're like better. Mario Cristobal a lot. A lot. Uh, I think the Pac-12's best chance at winning a national title is Oregon. Um, I like him. He's recruiting at a high level. Has things rolling. But replacing a quarterback for Oregon in the more talented roster, just six points. I, of course, it's March, but that's where I would lean. And then the last game that's on this list that came out from uh, Bet Online with some early season lines: Ole Miss and Baylor. And that is a pick'em game. Right now, there is an even spread on that game. It's going to be played in Houston. It's not official, but we think that it's going to be played on Sunday night. Uh, Baylor, a team that went 11-3 and last year, 8-1 and in the Big 12. Matt Rule is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And you got Dave Aranda. So Baylor was, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. They were 9-0 and to start the year. They lost a three-point game to Oklahoma at home on November 16th, beat Texas and Kansas, lost in the Big 12 championship game a second time to Oklahoma. That was in overtime, and then lost to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl 26-14. to They got a bunch back 
although there are kind of some lingering questions about quarterback health at Baylor. Wonder how the team's going to respond. Generally, it's fine. As we talked about during coaching search season, um, these guys are professional salesmen. They'll step in. The team will rally around them right away. But they did have a huge push to keep the interim, and that didn't work. I wonder how the team responds to that. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised that Baylor's not favored in that game. It's a Baylor team that went 11-3 and and has got a bunch of players back. Had a really young roster. And an Ole Miss team that went 5-7 and seven and had a coaching change. And you're still not sure who's going to play quarterback for Ole Miss. You may be in the same spot where you're not sure who's going to play quarterback for Baylor next year. That's altogether possible. Uh, again, given the, the injury issues. But um, that's a little surprising to me, though, that Ole Miss is not an underdog in that game at this point. They did lose a ton on defense. Baylor did? They did. Yeah, I think it's eight starters, nine starters. When are we going to get the Phil Steele magazine? We need that. That's your extended college football fix driven by Ford. Back to you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Um, Cam Newton is no longer a member of the Carolina Panthers. We knew this was coming. It is now official. They released the team's number one overall selection out of the 2011 draft earlier today. Cam Newton continues to rehab from foot surgery. He had a physical in Atlanta yesterday and was court that was uh, coordinated by the Panthers and his agency. Uh, according to Adam Schefter, sources told Schefter that Newton is checking out well and, quote, he is hungrier than ever and eager for the next opportunity. The GM of the Panthers had a bunch of nice things to say about Cam Newton, as you would expect, on the way out. Cam Newton went to Instagram and used hieroglyphics to say that he was free and hungry once again. And uh, let's see, there, uh, I'm free and hungry, no pity party, just work, shine through the shade, not for likes, just for life, love, and the cowabunga hand sign. Or hang ten or whatever that is. You know, like hook them horns with the thumb stuck out also. Don't turn it upside down, though. That's a penalty. Um, Calabunga, that was pretty granola of you. <laughs> How often do you drop that line? It's first time in a while, Rippy. It was He's just a big for Simpsons you. fan, you know. <laughs> Don't have a cat, man. The release of Cam Newton ends the nine-year relationship between the 2015 NFL MVP and the Panthers. Last week, the Panthers announced that they had, quote, given Cam Newton permission to seek a trade. Uh, Newton disputed that, writing on Twitter that the Panthers had forced him into this. Then a few hours of the tweet, news surfaced that the Panthers were completing a deal to sign Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year, $63 million deal. What's the future for Cam Newton? What do you think? Los Angeles. It's sort, of, it's sort of the same question I had about Todd Gurley. If he's healthy, he can see could still be very productive. But if he's not, and I don't think that he is, I don't know. 
As saturated as the quarterback market is, I have a hard time believing Cam Newton's not a starter somewhere week one. Maybe Jacksonville or Miami. Can you believe that Kyle Allen, uh, the Panthers got a fifth-round pick for Kyle Allen, but could not get a single bite on Cam Newton? I'm sure they were asking for more, and he's got a significant contract. But still, Kyle Allen gave them a draft pick. Cam Newton, they had to cut him because nobody wanted him. They could also ship well, Kyle out a bunch of different places. Market pretty like like yeah. in terms of realistic landing spots for Cam. I mean, you're talking two, three teams, maybe obviously. Well, and the other thing with Cam Newton is the the trade piece of it. Borky, you, you mentioned he's got a significant contract. Somebody would have had to have taken that deal off their hands. And if they couldn't get something in return, they were better off just to cut him and not have to continue to pay him. I think L.A. makes sense. I mean, moving into a new stadium, you're, I mean, they did a, a logo reveal today. They're getting new uniforms. Going with the powder blue and in gold, by the way, they're getting rid of the, the navy blue, which is a, a great decision. But moving into a new stadium, your second fiddle in your own city, you can draft a quarterback, pick up Cam Newton, have your guy for the future, and have your guy that when you move into a new stadium, you can sell and people will care about and pay attention to because right now, even with Phillip Rivers, nobody could have given any less of a crap about the L.A. Chargers other than laughing at the stadium pictures when other fan bases took it over. Nobody really cares about the Rams. Good point. They're they're the ones that have won more right away. And they used to be in L.A., so maybe there's some residual there. It's a tough city. It doesn't need two NFL teams, but they're the second fiddle team in a city that doesn't really care about football. They need something. That makes sense to me. Draft Justin Herbert if that's the guy you want to draft. Sign Cam Newton for the short term and have your guy for the long term. Makes a ton of sense to me. I agree. That, that should be the plan, which I'm sure it will not be, but it should be. In terms of Cam Newton, um, goodness, I mean, so is there anybody besides the Chargers? Where that's a Ribby mentioned Jacksonville, which is interesting. The presumption when uh, Nick Foles was dealt was that Minshew was the guy, but if Newton's available, maybe you take a flyer on him. It's going to take a team changing course of plans. Like, this is not going to... Like, obviously, no one sought after him for a while, so it's going to take some team looking at... Well, you probably aren't going to have OTAs. It's going to be a weird deal, but, like, looking at someone in training camp, whether it's an injury, something like that, and being like, hey, actually, this guy sucks. Cam Newton's available. That type of thing. If you don't have his stats in front of you, how many times has Cam Newton thrown for over 4,000 yards in his career? If you had to guess, how many times? In nine years? Nine years. Once. Three times? I'd say, I mean, if I was guessing, I'd say three. One time it was his rookie year. I'm surprised it was his rookie year, but I'm not surprised it was just once. Threw for 4,500 yards in 2011 and did not do it again since. In 2015, the MVP MVP year, threw for 3,800, ran for 760. That's what got him the MVP. Career 59% completions. Bill Polian had some uh, some interesting quotes in the story on ESPN about Cam Newton. He says, I wouldn't be willing to give up anything 
until I knew he was healthy and basically said, you know, kind of compared him as Haydad did a second ago to um, Todd Gurley in that he's got to prove that he's healthy. That's the reservation here with most teams. Like, you can't work him out. Like, passing a physical doesn't really mean a whole lot. No, no, you're right. It doesn't. You you need to see what? You you need to see both the foot and the shoulder. But then you also, you remember last year we got the the interview with, oh, it was uh, the Monday, Peter King where Cam Newton talked about how he was going to play the game differently and he felt good going into the year and he knew he had to be a different player than he had been and couldn't wait to show the world. And then it was more the same. It was his game is not that different than it had been. I mean, maybe it wasn't 2015 when he rushed for 760 yards, but he still gets hit more than a lot of quarterbacks. Because he is... That's exactly what I was about to say. Because of the specimen that he is, he doesn't get the same benefit of the doubt that some other quarterbacks get when he gets hit. And I think that has led to some of the injuries. If you had, if you were the Cincinnati Bengals, or, or let's, let's actually, let, let's take it away. From Cincinnati. Let's just give the number one pick of the draft this year to the Washington Redskins. And let's say that the Redskins had decided that the Dwayne Haskins thing was not going to work. And you were going to draft a quarterback. Would you take Joe Burrow or would you take Tua? And the reason I say let's take it away from Cincinnati is because you've got the whole... Ohio kid, it really makes a lot of sense, and he's coming off what, such a remarkable season. It's a novelty so, pick for Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's more than just a novelty. I mean, he can play. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, you, you've got you got a plenty of game film to back up and validate that pick, whether it works out or not. You, you can absolutely validate and justify that pick. Yeah, it just but makes it a no-brainer. let's take that piece out of it, and, and for that reason – Let's hand that pick to the Washington Redskins and say that they are going to draft a quarterback. If you're in charge, are you taking Tua or are you taking Joe Burrow? I'm taking Tua, but that's just me. Wait, I thought Tua. you were the conductor on the Joe Burrow train. Yeah, but I got I just feel better about Tua long term than I do Joe Burrow. But I wouldn't have done either if I were the Redskins. I would have gotten a veteran guy, but I get that's not the argument here. I would probably take Tua. Well, I mean, pick a different team then if you want to. I'm just saying, you know, team fill-in-the-blank has the number one pick, and they are going to take either Tua or Burrow. Which is your guy? Which one do you think has a better, longer, more successful NFL career? And I know that who, where, who you're with and who's around you, all that matters. But if you're just saying, look, we're going to build around somebody, which of those two are you building around? Tua. The injuries worry me. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We'll wrap it up next.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.